Well, this morning, our service is set up as an interactive service, which means that as we're going through this service, we're going to be showing you uh, some, we're going to be giving you a couple little mini messages, followed by a video and by a song, but all the songs are worship songs. So our heart this morning is not to do a performance, but to bring you into an encounter. Amen. We don't want to watch you. We don't want you watching anybody up here perform. We want you having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, uh, these videos will speak to your heart, and uh, you'll you'll see yourself somewhere in this message as we remember. And the core of this message this morning is based upon the last words of Christ. And when Jesus hung on the cross, there are a few uh, phrases that are recorded that he said in just the last few hours of his life. And those phrases taken and applied to individual lives have great impact. Because so many times we hear things, oh, that's a good story, that's a good account, but how does that really apply to me? So we hope today that these words will bring personal application into your life. Because they're more than mere words. They really are. They're declarations of victory coming from our crucified Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we pray that God will speak to your heart this morning. If you've been to church very much, you've heard the account and it's been preached on. But the man who was crippled and his four friends took him to church. And they got to church and church was full. There was no room, there were no seats left, but they really wanted to get their friend an audience with the Lord, so they figured the best thing to do was climb up on the roof, rip the roof off, and drop him down in there. And so that brings us to the question, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus prayed this prayer, amazing declaration. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The people that were crucifying him, that were putting him to his death, had no idea what they were doing. And so the question we all face is this. How far are we willing to go to gain an audience with God? They were willing to rip the roof off. How far are you willing to go to gain an audience with God to get what we need? The reason we want to be with him is that there's something that we feel that he can do for us and that we need from him. But what happens when we find out that what we think we need from him is not the answer that we get from him? That's what happened to the paralyzed man who was let down through the roof. You see, too often we're seeking God to heal the surface symptoms of our lives. Not understanding that he came to remove the cause of our problems, not just the consequences. Jesus came to do more than just heal the natural ills, consequences, and byproducts of our choices and sins and their corresponding effects upon our life. He came to heal us from the inside out. To remove the cause of our pain and to destroy the very root That cripples more than just our legs. It cripples our entire life. He came to change more than just our lives. He came to change our world from the inside out. And it's a change that we don't have to earn. You only have to receive it. Today, if you've never been changed, there's a change that you can receive life-giving 
world-changing grace. Who hatched the plan? <laughs> there wasn't a plan. No, no, no. When you're desperately in need, you don't stop and think that digging a hole in the roof of a stranger's house might be a bad idea. You just do it. So we did it. Now we pulled that operation off. That's a story for another day. <laughs> and it's a good one. <laughs> you, you should have seen everybody's face when they were lowering me down, all sprawled out on that mat. At one point, I just looked at everybody and I was just like, hello. <laughs> everybody was shocked. Except for Jesus. It's like he was expecting me. Jesus, he had this big smile on his face. He looked up at my friends. He looked at me and he said these words. He said, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, listen, I wasn't being lowered down on a mat because I was exhausted from running a marathon. I was being lowered on a mat because my legs didn't work. So when he said he was going to forgive my sins, I was thinking, sins? What about my legs? But I just didn't get it then. See, in saying he could forgive sins, Jesus was kind of, you know, he wasn't kind of saying it. He was, he was claiming to be God. Now, I don't have time to tell you everything the Pharisees told us we had to do to earn forgiveness. Needless to say, it'd be easier to move a mountain than to find forgiveness. And here, Jesus is just handing it out. Most everybody in that room had to be thinking the same thing. Who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is? You can't forgive sins if you're not God. And if you're not God, you can't do this. I went in there hoping that I could stand on my own two feet and I walked out free from sin. That's a miracle that doesn't just change me. That changes the world.
trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. In the pressing, you are making a new eye. In the soul, I now surrender. You are breaking a new ground. Yes, you are breaking a new ground. Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus experiencing something 
that many of us have experienced. But maybe when we go through it, we never think we would or would have to, which is usually unexpected. But hanging there on the cross, he said this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or the question that arises is, where's God when I need him? That's the question we all have asked at one time or another. Two things are not going our way. Nothing's turning out the way we expected it to. And by now, we thought God would have showed up with an answer. Why is he taking so long? And even Jesus felt it upon the cross. So he cried out, my God, my God. Or if you would, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And that feeling is the one of abandonment. The feeling of being alone in a season of loss, heartache and despair, with no hope for any other kind of an ending or a different ending. But you see, the scriptures reveal to us that Jesus not only took our sins, but that he was also tempted in all ways and in all things just as we are. He experienced all the pain, all the rejection, the loss, discouragement, and even abandonment and heartache that you and I will ever face. See, Jesus died of a broken heart. A heart broken for and by humanity, which he came to redeem. A couple of passages of scripture are amazing in what they reveal to us. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 from the Amplified Bible says this. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested and tried. He's able immediately to run to the cry of assistance and relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried. And who therefore are being exposed to suffering. Verse 15 in chapter 4 from the Amplified Bible says this. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize with. And have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation. But one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. I love the way the Message Bible says it. Hear this, verses 14 through 16 in chapter 4. He says, now that we have, now that we know we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all. All but the sin. I love this part. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Wow, what a great translation. Amen? It says he's more than just a sin bearer, see? 
He's the one who's able to comfort and sustain us in every season and through every trial and temptation. To lift every burden and to destroy every yoke. Why? Because he too endured it all. You see, the message of the cross declares to us all with absolute certainty that there is always hope for a different ending. Oh, sure. Everyone's still talking about Jesus raising my brother from the dead. And don't get me wrong, I, I am elated that he's back. It's an astonishing miracle, really. But for me, I remember the story a bit differently. I sent word to Jesus that the one whom he loved, Lazarus, his friend, was dying. No doubt in my mind that he would come save his friend. But then the day turned to night and I, I watched my brother slip away, one ragged breath at a time. The one who healed complete strangers left his friends to deal with the worst heartbreak imaginable. Alone. Well, we all know how the story ends. My dead brother came back to life because Jesus told him to. As sure as I'm standing here, it exposed some flaws in my faith. I thought he abandoned us. I thought he should have been there and he was nowhere to be found. It felt like eternity. We had no hope that there could ever be a different ending. I mean, how could we? Shortly after that, we saw him nailed to a cross, struggling with the worst kind of abandonment. I mean, the Son of God, turns out, was abandoned by his Father. And nearly everyone else in his life, too. brother Lazarus died Jesus let us wait for a little bit because he wanted to show us that 
No matter how bad things get, there's always hope for a different ending. like a
price of admittance in Luke 23 43 Jesus has a request made of him you know I don't know it's been a while since it came out but if you've ever seen the movie the passion of the Christ it comes the closest to depicting what Jesus actually looked like upon the cross he didn't just have a couple of little red marks on his body he was literally human hamburger he had been beaten and scourged and whipped and mocked and ridiculed carried a cross there nailed to a cross and just hanging on for the last few moments to his life. And in that condition. A man next to him. Asks for mercy. And says Lord remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus just simply looked at him. And said. Truly I say to you. Today. That was awesome. You will be with me in paradise. Wow. You see, the paralyzed man found out that Jesus was giving what that Jesus was giving out for free what the religious leaders of his day were saying had to be earned, had to be paid for. And the more you work, the better you were. So the question arises how much do you have to pay for a gift? Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 10. He answered and said to her, I love this phrase, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's the gift. In Acts chapter 8, verse 20, is the account of Simon the sorcerer thinking he can purchase the ability to minister 
salvation in the Holy Spirit to people. He's been watching the apostles and Philip and what's going on there. And he has a desire to have that working in his life. So he offers money to Peter and John to be able to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter replies to him and says in verse 20, Your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. So the greater question is, what do we really have to offer? Romans 3 and verse 10 says that there's none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23 tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the truth is, it's not about what we have to offer him. It's about what he came to offer us as a gift. If we can only see the need and cry out for mercy, he's willing to give it. You know, there's the account of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and thought he was okay. And in life, there's so much that pulls at us. Jesus gave an account in Luke 16 of a rich man who died and went to hell. And being hell, he looks up and he sees Lazarus, the poor man, in Abraham's bosom. And he makes this request. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. That phrase, in your lifetime you received your good things, always strikes at my heart. You see, we can choose the good, the best, the wealth, the treasures of this world and life, or we can choose the treasures of heaven. We have to guard our hearts against holding too tightly to not enough. And the things of this world that will never leave this world. Nothing that we value and think is so precious is leaving this world. In a moment. I'm always surprised at how many suddenlies come to pass. And people are just gone. And then everything they thought they needed is still here and they're gone. The rich young ruler was faced with the challenge of letting go of what he was holding too tightly to. And he missed the truth that forgiveness and eternal life is a gift of God. You see, the miracle of the cross is that it's level ground for everyone. When you come to the cross, it's just level ground. It's level ground for the rich and the poor, for the righteous and the unjust, for the sinner and the saint, for the lost and the found. It's level ground to those who are the broken and to those who think they're whole. To those with their whole life in front of them and to those who are about to take their last breath. It's level ground to those who think they are saved and those who know that they are lost. Because nobody can earn God's grace. It cannot be purchased with your money or earned with all of our good works. If it can, it's not a gift. 
Oh, yeah. No, I heard what he said. I heard all too well what Jesus told that man, that, that thief that he was hanging next to. And you know what? It was drastically different than what he told me. You see, the day that I encountered Jesus, I dropped to my knees right in front of him. He had my respect from the start. You see, I wasn't looking for a handout, okay? I explained to him that I had done the hard work. I just needed to know, was there something that I was missing? Was there, was there some good thing that I needed to do in order to inherit eternal life? And you know, sell all that you own. That's what Jesus told me. Sell it all, and you'll have treasure in heaven. <laughs> yeah, right. You see, I was always taught that salvation is a reward for a life that is filled with good works. It is not a handout that you give to people that can't muster up, up can't muster up enough character to earn it themselves. My wealth is a clear indication of the favor that rests upon me from God. I had asked about eternal life and this, this disgusting shell of a man, he's the one that gets it? Jesus told him the day he died, he would be in paradise. This man couldn't bleed a drop of goodness that he hadn't borrowed. No, no, that he hadn't stolen from the righteous man that he's hanging next to. He was a thief and I'm the one that is treated like I've been robbing God all along. I offered to do what I needed to do. This man offered nothing. All he could do was ask for mercy. And, and that's how he got salvation. That's how he got eternal life. It was just, it was just given to him. Like, like it was a, a gift. Choose to 
light the way for my ever-wandering heart. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who Because of what I've done, but because.
In John 19 and verse 30, Jesus uttered maybe the three most powerful words on the cross. He said this, it's finished. It's finished. You see, we've all experienced the shame of a moment in our lives. And wishing we could be covered by grace. We've all been caught and exposed at some point. We have all endured at some point in our lives the gazes and the stares. The whispers and outspoken voices of judgment that are quick to point out our failure and to cry out for justice to be served. It can come from the crowds, our peers, sometimes even our family and friends. And if we were completely honest, we would admit that we deserve that and even more. But today we celebrate a truth that transcends all of that. A truth that declares it is finished. Which means something's been accomplished. A task has been completed. An assignment has been fulfilled. Something has been restored. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. Wow. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus made this declaration himself in John chapter 3 and verse 17. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Wow. In all of the world, there's only been one person who ever lived who was holy enough to condemn anybody. But he chose to restore our hope and to give us back our dignity. I've been caught outright and dragged straight into open daylight. Bystanders gawking, the village women absorbing every morsel of gossip. Common decency dictated that the shame of the moment was enough. But the law called for something greater. My life. Of course, a long audience followed behind. Don't think I didn't recognize a couple of them. Their words condemned me, but they didn't dare look me in the eye. I did everything to try to cover my shame, but I couldn't hide from the onlookers or this holy man whose feet they threw me to. I was finished. I 
I stared at the ground when he said that whoever was sinless, they should go first. They should throw the first stone. Squeezed my eyes shut, grasping at the gravel, waiting for the end of my life to unfold. Nothing though. Then footsteps, except they were walking away. I looked up. Is there no one left to accuse you? He asked me. No. I don't either. He said, go and sin no more. Accusers. That's how he ended up on the cross. And as he hung there dying, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it, it is finished. That's something different. That's a different thing. It means that something is accomplished, restored. He restored my hope, my self-respect and my dignity. I didn't even know I had any left. <laughs> On a day when I thought that my life was finished, the only man there holy enough to demand justice handed me mercy.
stand on mountaintops for me With you I walk through the valleys You gave your only son for me Your grace is all I yes to you with all of our hearts, all of our lives because you said yes for us with your life thank you Lord for loving us giving your life for us hallelujah, amen Amen. lastly one more thought in Matthew 19 and verse 38 or excuse me in John 19 verse 38 
Jesus makes another declaration. He said this. He said, I thirst. Wow. Think about that. To think that God's love for us had driven him to such a day. Where he is giving his very life for us upon the cross, bearing our sin and our shame, relinquishing his power and ability to save himself. Hanging there in shame and even desperate for just a drink of water. The one who gives living water to those who ask is now thirsty. And the one who provided water for millions as he led them through the wilderness now hangs upon a cross and cries out, I thirst. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The nation of Israel drank living water from a rock that followed them, and that rock was a manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior who gives living water. So the God who had made provision for his people to have water in the desert was now, because of love, dying thirsty so that all could receive living water and never thirst again wow you see there is a thirst and even a drought in our souls that is caused by the deception and the lies of this world we thirst for power for fame riches and success we thirst for happiness and fulfillment love and contentment peace and security yet this world leaves us Never satisfied with what we have. But always thirsting for more. And when we get more, it's never enough. And we're afraid of running out or losing what we do have. Jesus knew his time was short. And the closer he got to the end, it seemed that his disciples understood even less. And would it, it would even be one of his own disciples that would understand the least and sell him out for just a few silver coins. All because he thought Jesus wasn't going to satisfy his thirst for power. But there's something that happens when we no longer see truth, de- just, we're no longer just hearing truth declared. We're seeing truth displayed. All that Jesus had tried to tell them had, was culminated upon the cross. You see, sometimes we just have to see it to have the eyes of our understanding opened. cup of water wouldn't have thought twice about it if it wasn't for that day that Jesus sucked the 12 of us down 
it was a busy morning. We were all doing the business of his ministry. We were running errands, talking to the townspeople. And then he, um, he pulled us aside that afternoon in a quiet place. He spoke for a long time. There were no stories, there were no parables. He just spoke plain, painstakingly plain. The bottom line was this. He told us if we were to continue following him, things were gonna get dicey for us. That there could even be physical harm when we mentioned his name. He was not painting a pretty picture. But we all knew that uh, this is gonna be the price for carrying out his message. I put on my bold, bold, brave face and I nodded in agreement. But inside, I mean, I'm a tax collector, not a soldier. I, I don't know anything about courage or bravery. I couldn't be more ordinary. And I remember thinking, I wonder if Jesus knows how scared I am right now. Not a sparrow falls, he said, that is not in the Father's care. And how much more are we worth? <laughs> but it's this, it's this that got me. He said to us, if anyone does some simple act of kindness to us, his followers, even like a, giving us a, a cup of cold water, they will not lose the reward. That's how much he cared for us. If someone shows a simple act of kindness, even in the worst scenario, it meant something in heaven. Jesus said on the cross, I thirst. And that same cup of water he mentioned, we couldn't even give it to him. He was willing to die painfully, thirsty even, for our sake. And because of that, my courage grew. Not out of bravery, but from love. sacrifice again my two small sons 
walk beside me on the road reason that they came to watch the land daddy daddy what will we see there's so much that we don't understand so I told them of Moses and father Abraham and I said, dear children, watch the land. There will be so many in Jerusalem today. We must be sure the land doesn't run away. So I told them of Moses Father Abraham Then I said Dear children Watch the land When we reached the city I knew something must be wrong There were no joyful worshipers No joyful worship songs I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men and I heard the crowd cry out can hear his angry voice screaming at the crowd then someone said there's Jesus I scarce believe my eyes a man so badly beaten he barely looked alive the blood poured from his body from the thorns upon his brow Running down the cross Falling to the ground I watched him as he struggled I watched him as he fell The cross came down upon his back The crowd began to yell I felt such agony In that moment I felt such loss 
Till the Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed tried to resist him but his hand reached for his sword so I knelt and I took the cross from the Lord placed it on my shoulders we started down the street the blood that he had been shedding is now running down my cheek they led us to Golgotha. They drove nails deep in his feet and hands. Yet upon the cross I heard him pray, Father, forgive them. Oh, never have I seen such love in any other eyes. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. He prayed, then he died. I stood for what seemed like years. I lost all sense of time. Till I felt two tiny hands holding tight to mine. My children stood there weeping. I heard the oldest say, Father, please forgive us, the lamb ran away. Daddy, Daddy, what have we seen here? So much that we don't understand So I took them in my arms We turned and faced the cross And I said, dear children Watch the You know, there's a truth becomes clear when we see it displayed. Once we see truth, God's goal for showing it to us plainly, openly, so that we would never stay the same. So my question is, where are you today? Are you like the paralyzed man looking for Jesus to heal your surface symptoms? As long as he's taking care of all your circumstances, that's all you need from him. Or are you ready for him to heal your life and change your world from the inside out? 
Maybe you're like Martha. Maybe you've experienced abandonment, loss, pain, and discouragement. And it's hard for you to believe and to have hope for a different ending. Or you might be here today and you're like the rich young ruler. You're just working really hard to get it right. Adding up all your success and hoping it's enough. Even expecting it to be enough to purchase a gift that can't be bought because it's free. Or maybe you identified with the woman who was caught in adultery. Not for the same reason, but because you've also been caught at one time in your sin. Or maybe today, the Holy Spirit is touching you in that area. And the shame of your exposure is too much to bear. You're broken by the cycle of life that seems to keep you bound. And you feel like you've lost your dignity and your self-respect. You've even wished it could all just end. But right now you feel the shame of your exposure being covered by His grace. But I think most of us here today are like Matthew. We're just trying to follow Jesus. But we're just struggling trying to comprehend what it means to live this life for Christ. At times it can seem like the more you pray and read your Bible and hear the word preach and try to understand, you just can't understand. And maybe today you're ready for your heart to take over and to allow love to lead you. His love for you and your love for Him. As they just bring the lights up a little bit, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me a little. In just a moment, we're going to partake of communion. Maybe you're here today. And like the thief on the cross, you know you need mercy. Nothing else has worked out. Nothing else has happened. And now you're face to face with Jesus. And you know he is your answer. And today you're not going to bring up any excuses, any areas. There's no way to get out of this. You're just face to face with a loving, saving God. And this is your day. God brought you here today just for this. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder if there's one person in this room that would say, Pastor, today I know I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need the mercy that was freely given to that man upon the cross. Is there anyone here today that raise their hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray with me. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Just boldly. Hallelujah. Thank you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, right now, I thank you that you are touching, moving, reaching, and redeeming. 
Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your loving and saving grace. Jesus, I believe that you live and died for my sins. Today I ask for your forgiveness and I receive it as your free gift. I will arise from this place to live for you and to sin no more. In Jesus' name. Thank you for covering my shame with your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and prepare communion. We're going to receive communion right now. And I put it at the end because communion is a reminder of all that He has given for us to be healed, renewed, and restored. And reminds us that He's given us the power, the power of His life and love so that we can live a life of love devoted to Him, free from every weight and burden of this life. So I'm asking you to stand with me this morning.